So today is saving faith and your, in our prayer life. Saving faith in our prayer life. So let me ask you this question. How's your prayer life? Pretty good, I heard. Okay, praise God. I'm glad to hear that. Most of the time when I ask Christians, how's your prayer life? The most common answer I get is not what it should be. Could be better. Yes, Robin. Those are the kind of answers I typically get, is that um, it's not what it should be. And if we know this truth, what we do, listen to this, what we do reveals what we really believe. Are you with me on that? What we do reveals what we really believe. So if we believe in the power of prayer, we will all be prayer warriors. We will pray without ceasing. We'll be devoted to prayer. If we really believe in the power of prayer, we will be prayer warriors. Amen? But I also want to tell you this. I think the reason that a lot of Christians are not prayer warriors is because it's one of the areas that Satan knows better than we do, the power of prayer. He See, he, he knows the power of the Spirit of God that lives within us, that helps us in our prayer life. And he knows the power of Jesus seated at the right hand of God the Father interceding for us. He sees the, the Trinity and the power and this triangle that's going on as we pray, and so he doesn't want us to pray. Because he doesn't want us to, to elicit the army of heaven to help us in this fallen world. He wants to leave the army up in heaven. So I think that's one of the reasons we don't pray like we should. And as we understand, as we believe more in the power of prayer, if we see the blessings of the prayer, power of prayer, we will all become prayer warriors. And that's going to be our challenge this morning. I'm going to challenge you to step up your prayer life. You okay with that? I need to step up my prayer life. And I think all of us do. And if you really, if you, if you look at our list of all these different uh, sermons we've been working through, it's really a prayer list, is it not? We, we, need to, we need to pray to persevere through trials with great joy. We need to pray to overcome temptation. We need to pray that God will transform us through the living Word of God. We need to pray for, for our loved ones, both lost and saved. We need to pray for divine appointments and good works in our life. We need to pray God's, God will help us control our tongues, that God would pray for that God would give us godly wisdom and not worldly wisdom. We need to pray that God will help us overcome the world. We need to pray for God's will in all of life. We need to pray that, that we will build up treasures in heaven and not in earth. And as Pastor Tyler preached last week, we need to pray that we'll be patient and persevere in our faith. It's a prayer list. So today we're going to look at prayer. And with that, Anne's going to open the word for us today. If you'd open up your books to James 5, um, starting in verse 13, which I'm not at myself. Sorry, Ann, let me just get there. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. 
And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Amen. Thank you, Anne. So we're going to cover three, three calls to prayer here. Pray, we're supposed to pray individually. Second thing is the call of the elders to pray over those in need. And the third one is to pray for one another. There's three specific calls to, to pray in this, in this text. So let me start off with this, just a little setup here. We'll, we'll work through this verse by verse as we always do. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. If anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. Now, brothers and sisters, we have studied, we had a, a number of sermons on this, is that we are to be joyful people, are we not? We're to be joyful in all circumstances. We're to rejoice always. In fact, let me just show you a few verses just to remind you of what we're supposed to be as Christ followers. First one is Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Well, why are we supposed to be so joyful as Christians? All right. Thank you, Robin. Sing it out. I love it. Yeah, brother, go ahead. I didn't know we were going to do this, but I love it. We're a nice small group today. We're going to just get going. Count it all joy. Right, and that's the second one up there. That's what we studied in James. Yeah, thank you, brother. That's good. And, and, and what Robin said and what, what our brother said, we'll talk about both those, but the reality we're supposed to be so joyful is that we know that there were, we were born enemies of God, right? Do you remember that life before Christ? Living in that darkness, we were lost. We were lost. And, and you know, we were sick and tired of being sick and tired. We, we kind of like those people I talked about in Florida. We, we saw the emptiness of the world. We saw the, the destruction of our own sinfulness. And, and then God just reached down from heaven and took us out of that darkness and into the light. Wasn't that, isn't that amazing? And, and so not only that, but then he redeemed us through the blood of Jesus. He, he made us children of God. And then he gave us this great work of ministers of reconciliations, ambassadors for Jesus, and all these, this whole new life he gave us as we surrender our life to Jesus. Is that true for you? I pray it's true for you. And so that in itself, along with the reality of we know what we truly deserve now. We didn't know what we deserved before, right? But now we know we deserved eternal death and damnation based on our own sinfulness before a holy and righteous God. And he's delivered us from all that. So he's saying, your, your days here are numbered. I've given you this new life. I've adopted you and my family. You should be joyful all the time. What are you, what are you grumbling about? You're going to spend eternity with me. You, this is a short mission assignment for you, and then you're going to be with me in, in heaven forever. So put on the joy of Jesus. And then as our brother pointed out, the second verse here is that we've already studied is counted all joy, brothers, when you uh, meet trials of various kinds, right? You see that? And so he said, 
even when you're in trials, you should put on joy because you know that that is the refining work of God to make you more into the man and woman of God that I want you to be. Trust me when things are going well and trust me when you're going through trials because I am working to make you into the man and woman of God I want you to be. So we're to be these joyful saints. And then look at this, Acts 13, 52 says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Another reason we're supposed to be joyful all the time is the very supernatural joy of God was placed within us with the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of God lives in us. And then lastly, I could go, we could do weeks on this, but one more is, uh, this is Jesus said, he says, these things I have spoken to you, uh, John 15, 11, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus is praying that the very joy of Jesus would live within us and that it would be full. That word also means complete, that we would have complete, mature joy of Jesus that lives within us. So are you with me in all this? But there's a problem. Are you always joyful? Now, so this is a positional truth. This, this is a positional truth that we have the power to be joyful at all times. Just like we have the power to overcome all temptation in our life. Right? No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted above what you can stand. I didn't quote that right, but you got the idea. That's a little Keith translation there. <laughs> I'll say it again. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. You not... Be- let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, and he will provide a way out so that you can stand under it. Okay, so, so the point is that we're, we, we have this positional power that will never fall into sin when we're tempted, and, we're, and we have this positional power that we should be joyful at all times, but we're not. So what do we do? We have the solution right here. We have the solution right here. He says, I don't know why this isn't working now. Oh, there we go. It says, if any among you is suffering. So if you are suffering, if you're not filled with joy, if for some reason you're suffering, then you should what? Pray. You should pray. You should pray. So we'll get into this, but if you're physically suffering, you should pray. If you're emotionally suffering, you should pray. If you're mentally suffering, you should pray. And if you're spiritually suffering, you should pray. The solution to your suffering is prayer. Come to Jesus, and we'll talk about this. Let me show you some verses here. Oh. Nope, back. There we go. Is this not working? I don't know. No one's talking to me. But this is where I want to be. So look at this first verse. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Isn't that wonderful? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. What does it mean to devote ourselves to prayer? You're not going to help me anymore, everybody? (laughs) I'm on my own again. So devote yourself to prayer. Be doing it all the time. Thank you, Brother Ed. Be doing it all the time. We should be praying without ceasing. See, now let me ask you this question. I know you know the truth is, is is Jesus with us all the time? Are we ever, when we're in a dark space, you know, isolated from the world, is Jesus there? It, so, so there's no place we can go to be away from the presence of Jesus. He is with us all the time. 
What do we know? He's all-knowing. He's all-present, right? He's all-powerful. Yes, Deanna, thank you. So, so we know he's with us all the time. So devoting yourself to prayer is an ongoing dialogue with Jesus that is with you all the time. That's what devoted means. You're talking to him throughout your day. He's with you. He wants to talk to you about everything going on. And he says, be watchful. What does that mean? Look around. What is God doing in this, in this space? Who, who here can I be praying for? Who here needs some encouragement? Who near, you're just talking and watching, and you're also thankful. You're thankful that you're in this deep, intimate communion with Jesus all the time. See, the, the problem, brothers and sisters, is that most Christians go to prayer in their 911 moments. And, and God wants to talk to you throughout the day as things are going well, as things are not going well. He wants to process people with you. He wants to process circumstances with you. He wants to process life with you and help you in every aspect of your life. So we're to be devoted. We're living in the presence of Jesus. We need to be talking to him throughout the day. And what's beautiful about prayer is I can be preaching right now and be praying at the same time. It's all going on up here. I don't need to tell you what's going on, but I can be looking at someone and I can see someone that's heavy burdened. And I'm praying for them. You do the same thing, right? Every Sunday, someone comes in here with burdens and hardships. And now we got all the mission brothers locked up next door, right again? Charlie did text me. They're going to test him, I guess, on Monday and see what's going on there. But by the way, tangent here, Florida is a whole different world. No masks. Everybody's living by faith instead of fear. Um, and they're, they're telling their, their high-risk people to stay at home, but everybody else... They love their businesses. They love their small businesses. They're saying, no, we're, we're open. We're open. If you want to wear a mask, you can wear a mask, but you don't have to. He goes, we're living by faith. It's a different world. Come back to Illinois, it's like, everybody's running and hiding. And, and don't, don't get me wrong, they're not irresponsible, but, but they're trusting, and, and, and they're, supporting, they're, they're supporting all the people and not living under that kind of regime. But anyway, where was I? Okay. So then we're to, to pray, uh, devote ourselves living in the presence of Jesus, being watchful and thankful. And it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Do you see that second verse there? We have to, here's what some Christians do. They build these overly burdensome prayer lists. And so as we're going through the day, let the Spirit lead you in your prayer life. Let Him burden your heart. When God brings people to mind, that's his call to pray for them. And that includes your enemies. You know, oh, that son of a gun. No, that's your call to prayer, not to slander them. So let the Spirit lead you in your prayer life as you go. Don't don't put, it's a wonderful gift. You're you're walking around, you're watchful, you're thankful, and the Spirit's burdening you with different things, and you pray for them as they come, right? With all kinds of occasions and all kinds of prayers. You getting this? And don't forget, there's nothing wrong with 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's okay to pray for your own burdens. Don't feel guilty about it. If you're hurting, if you're suffering, if you're physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, if you're suffering in some way, God wants you to come and put those, cast your anxieties, your fears, your worries, your troubles onto Jesus. Amen? And even here, look at this. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion 
and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles. That's the God we serve. Don't be carrying it yourself. Give it to Jesus. That's a call of prayer. Now let me give you one more, which is a foundational prayer that we always have to go back to, I think, when we're suffering. And I've already said it, but I'm going to do it again. This is one of my favorites, which is Psalm 51:12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Do you see that? I think part of the prayer when we're suffering is we have to go back and pray a prayer like this, which is to remind us of what I've already preached to you, who we were before Christ, the great miraculous work he's done in us, and who we are now. That, if you go back to that, that's preaching the gospel to yourself, I, I want to have that joy I had when I first became a Christian. I want that, that joy of, of entering this new life. I want this joy that Jesus gave me in the beginning of my faith. And then I want a willing spirit to persevere, as Tyler brought last week. I want that willing spirit just to continue in the faith because this world has a way of beating us down, doesn't it? It beats us down. So we, we need that restoring the joy of our salvation. It's a, it's a prayer I think everybody has to pray daily to, to live the joyful life. Okay, you got that? Praying for yourself? Part one. Now he breaks into this. I think this is kind of interesting here. He says, as anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. You see this after he goes to the prayer of sorrow. I mean, the question is, is well, by the way, this word cheerful means joyful heart, attitude of gratitude. We would say it's, you're having a good season at that time. Everything's pr- going pretty well would be a way of describing that, this uh, this cheerful word. Um, but why must we, why does he have to command us to sing praises when life's going well? What's that? Okay, we get cocky. Ralph said because we forget. And that's the reality. Israel was no different. When there are seasons of prosperity, Israel kind of turned their back on God. And we're the same way, brothers and sisters. When life is going good, we kind of tend to forget about God. So he's commanding us, don't only pray when you're sorrowful, not your 911 moments, but also praise me when things are going well. So he says, you're going to be talking to me all the time throughout your life, whether you're praying and, and making requests in sorrow or you're praising me because things are going well. I want that communication going all the time. So I'm in a picture, uh, you know, I, I love what... Uh, Tomasi, Randy Tomasi. Anybody go through Tomasi's reign? We got a few Tomasi reign guys here. I mean, I love what Tomasi used to preach uh, all the time, which is that when he got up in the morning, is anybody with me on this? He, he would not let his feet touch the floor until he got done praising God. So he woke up and he just immediately had to praise God before he put his feet on the ground. Isn't that beautiful? So he wakes up, he praises God, he thanks him for a new day, he thanks him that he, that he made it through the night. Right? And then we continue, right? You know, I love my cup of coffee in the morning. Praise God that I got a good cup of coffee this morning. It was wonderful. I missed that. I didn't have good coffee in Florida. That's one thing I didn't like. But what's that? Praise God you can taste it. That's good too, right? So praise God, did you have breakfast today? That's from God's bountiful resources. He provided breakfast for us, right? Do you have a roof over your head? Not everybody has food. Not everybody has a roof over their head. How about... Uh, I won't say who, but a, a brother here is going to appreciate a hot shower, clean clothes, a toothbrush, 
Are you with me? This life of praise, we just can take everything for granted until we don't have it anymore. So we're, we're doing this. We have a job. We have the Word of God. We have all these things. And we're be, we should be praising God throughout our day for all of His bountiful provision. That's what He's kind of calling us to do here. Let Him sing praise. Now, I hope you are singing praise during our worship time here in church, are you not? Yeah, and really, we should be singing praises all week long, and then when we get together, this is the climax of our praise time, right? Does that make sense? And if you're not praising God, if you're not singing along with the worship songs, why aren't you? Because you have a bad voice? Is that going to go good on the day of judgment? No. I'll tell you an embarrassing moment. When I was saved, we were saved in a very musical church. I mean, a lot of really good musical people, very gifted. You know, the big organ, the big choir. And I got saved, and I'm just a knucklehead. So I'm saved, and I'm all full of the joy of Jesus, and I'm singing. And then what would happen is, at the end of the song, guess what? Everybody turn around and look at me. (laughs) And at first, I was a little embarrassed, but you know what I did with the next hymn? We only sang hymns. I belted it out even louder. Because I love Jesus. So I don't care if you can't sing, sing. Sing, sing all the time. Practice all week long so when you get here you won't be as embarrassed as I was. So sing praises. We've got to move along here. Let me just show you a couple of these are great uh, re-encouragements of the same thing. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name almost high, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Do you get that picture? From the moment of the morning, he's praising God. Throughout the day, they're praising God. He gets back to bed at night, he or she. They lay their head on their pillow, and they're praising God. Uh, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. One last one's Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If the word of Christ dwells in you richly, and it's teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, as that's how we live, then what comes is singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. As we're men and women of the word, it will flow out of us, this this heart of praise. Okay, so, so far we have this praying uh, individually as we're suffering, physically, emotionally, spiritually, even mentally, and then we've got this issue that we should be praising God, we should be talking to God 24-7. Now let's go to the next level here. It says, is anyone among you sick? Do you see that? Now, let me just clarify this. Some believe that sick is physically sick, and some believe that it is spiritually sick. And I believe it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually sick. I believe this, that as we note, as we note the life of Jesus, he ministered to the whole person, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, right? And let me tell you this also, and you know this in your own life, if we are spiritually sick, it will lead to emotional and physical sickness as well, right? So I think it's in any of those areas, we should come to the elders and have them pray over us if we have those kind of problems going on. That's the kind of sickness it's talking about. By the way, it's been proven there's been Christians that have been suffering with chronic pain for years, and they've gone to all the doctors to try to find help, and then they came before their church and had their elders prayed over them, and some sinful pattern in their life was revealed, and they confessed and repented, and the chronic pain was gone. So, that, that is what I see this as meaning, is, is any kind of suffering that's going on, we should come before the elders to have them pray over us. 
I would also say this is one of the most neglected calls of the church. We do practice that here. I don't think we practice it enough. Uh, I confess that to you. So I'm just going to tell you right now, if any of you are, any of you are suffering any Sunday, I'm going to ask you just at the end of the service to come forward and the elders will pray over you. We will be here to pray over you any Sunday because it's the call of the elders to do that. And there's much power in that. So, so please, uh, don't, be, don't let your pride get in the way. If you need prayer, come up here after church and we'll pray over you. And it says anointing with oil. We're probably not going to be doing much of that. Because really in the Jewish culture, anointing of oil was, it was for both. It was ceremonial, but it was for, that is one of their treatments for wounds. And they would sometimes mix oil with wine. And then as we see at the Good Samaritan, they would bandage the wounds up because that would help them heal. So if you have a wound, we kind of recommend a doctor to you. <laughs> What's that? It stains the carpet. But, you know, there is, I, I, don't, I had a bunch of verses, but I'm not going to go over them with you. We see that they, they used it for, for injuries, but they also use it for ceremonial purposes. But um, I think that uh, we, the, what, what you'll see here more than anything is that the text focuses on prayer as the, as the power that heals people. It wasn't the oil, it was the, it was the prayer. Okay, you still with me in the text here? All right, stay with me. We're going to work our way through this. So if any of you are sick, physically, emotionally, spiritually, let him, her, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him or her, anointing him or her with oil in the name of the Lord. Do you see that? What this is saying is that it's always done in God's will. That's saying God's will be done. See, so you're going to come up and ask for prayers and we're going to pray over you. And if you have a, if you have cancer or something, we're going to pray that God would physically heal you. But we're also going to conclude our prayers with in the will of God. Because as we'll get into this, God chooses to heal some and not to heal others. Are you okay with that? We don't know God's economy and all that, but we've seen people healed of cancer and some people not healed of cancer, but it's all in God's sovereign plan. So, that's what it means here. In the name of the Lord, we'll pray in the will of God. By the way, this, is, this verse, just so you know, this is where a lot of the false prosperity gospels got off track because it says that uh, and a, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And so when someone would come up for prayer, and they'd pray over them and they weren't healed. You know what the, the pastors or elders would say to that person? You, what's that? You don't thank you. You don't have enough faith. The reason, you weren't, the reason your child was not healed is because you don't have enough faith. The reason you weren't healed is because you don't That's not what that says. God chooses to heal some and not others in his sovereign plan, and we don't understand the reasons for that. But I can tell you this, it is always for our good and for his glory. He shows no favoritism. Amen. And so he shows no favoritism. It's not that he's favoring someone over someone else. He's not done with one person. He's calling the other one home to live in glory. What's wrong with that? When we die, that's a promotion. That's not a penalty. That's a promotion. So, um, just so you know, that's how that verse has been misinterpreted. So then, um, and by the way, just also, I mean, we see in many people's lives, just as a verification, that Paul would pray over some people in in, in the book of Acts, and they were what? Not healed. Some of them were not healed. And he himself was not healed. He had the thorn in the flesh, 
and he prayed, God, please take this thorn from me, some sort of physical ailment probably, and God says, what did he say? My grace is sufficient. So, and what did Paul realize in that? That that was the blessing from God because in his weakness he became strong. That, that thorn in the flesh is what it empowered him to live the more obedient life to God. So sometimes when people come up and they want to be healed, God says, I'm not going to heal you because I want you to have that weakness so that I can accomplish more in you and through you for the glory of God. So that's the reality of um, healing. And then it says here, and the Lord will raise him up. I just want to make this very clear. Nobody has the power to heal anybody. No, There's no people that have been gifted with supernatural powers to heal people. The only one that has ever healed anyone, the only one that will ever heal one is God. It's his power. It's his healing hands. And don't miss this part of this. When you come forward for prayer, it says, what does it say next here? And if he has committed, he or she has committed sins, he or she will be forgiven. Do you see that? So part of the process of the elders praying over you is to help you do some self-examination to see if there's any sin in your life. Because you may not realize that it really, the problem you're having is the sin, not the sickness. So when anybody comes up, we have to ask you, is there any sins you need to confess and repent of? And don't get me wrong, we're not judging you. We want to help pray that you would be reconciled to God, that you would, be, that you would repent and be forgiven by God. So there's always part of the process of elders praying is to examine uh, the, each other to see if there's any sin in there. Okay, we got that part down? Okay. So we got, we got print, we got this, we have this, when we're suffering, we should pray, and there's going to be occasions in our life where it's overwhelming, and we're, we should come to the, don't be ashamed to come forward after the service and have the elders pray over you. Amen? And then here's the third type of prayer. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You see that? And therefore is talking about since we all suffer and since we all sin, we should practice the discipline of confessing our sins to one another and to pray for one another so that we may be healed. Okay? Here's the point. Don't carry around your sins. They're heavy. Confess them quickly. Keep short accounts. Confess and repent quickly with one another. Don't wait for Sunday to come before the elders. If, if there's something going on, you have to find a trusted brother or sister in your life that you guys can be totally transparent with each other. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's not. And, and, and totally transparent where you can pray for one another and confess your sins to one another. And it can, you know, here it is during the week. Pick up your phone. Something's going on. I, I, I need to repent. I, I just lost my temper. I need you to pray with me. I just look at a person inappropriately with lust. I need to pray with me. I need to confess and repent. Keep short accounts. See, this is PM. You know what PM is? Preventative maintenance. Praying for one another is preventative maintenance. Keep short accounts. Keep a clear conscience. You got that? So let's talk about these confessing sins a little bit. You're doing great. We're, we're, we're round in the turn here. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us 
our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you see that? All equals all. There's no sin too great. Don't hold anything back from God. He wants to forgive every sin that you've ever committed. He wants you to confess and repent, and he wants to heal you. He wants to cleanse you with the blood of the Lamb. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Isn't that good news? That's why he died. He died to take our sins from us so that we could live the righteous life. He wants us to give him our sins so that we can be healed. And lastly, here's John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do you see that? Brothers and sisters, hear me on this. Unconfessed sin separates us from God. Unconfessed sin hinders our prayer life. Unconfessed sin impacts all of our relationships. Unconfessed sin impacts our health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Unconfessed sin hinders our testimony to the lost and dying world. Do you see how big of a burden unconfessed sin is? You have to confess your sin and be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Look at this list. Confessing our sins restores our relationship with God. Confessing our sins fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Confessing our sins empowers our minds to take in the very truth of God's Word. Confessing our sins empowers our prayer life. Confessing our sins restores relationships. And confessing our sins empowers our testimony to a lost and dying world. Do you see the power of keeping short accounts? Okay, you did great. I don't know how long we've been going. Let me show you this last. He gives us a beautiful illustration out of the Scripture to try to show us the power of prayer. He says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Do you see that? Well, where do we find a righteous person? I guess, you know, it's Elijah, David, Moses, Paul. Is that right? Keep reading. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. <laughs> he goes, you're no different. Elijah, we know from Scripture, Elijah was hungry. He, fit, he, was, fear, he, had, he was afraid. He was depressed. We know that he sinned. He's saying that this is what I did through Elijah as he prayed, and I want to do it through any righteous man or woman of God. You have that same call, that same ability for me to, to accomplish these great works as you pray to me. Do you believe that? So it said Elijah was a man like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years, six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Do you see that? So I want you to see that there is great power in the prayer of a righteous man or woman. Righteous man of God, righteous woman of God. And you have to believe that if you want to become a prayer warrior. So simply, here's our call. We need to step up. We need to be devoted to prayer ourselves. We need to pray without ceasing. We have to live our lives in the presence of Jesus, which is really where we are. Secondly, there's going to be many times where we need to come up here after the service and have the elders pray over us to help us get freed from any bondage or sickness or spiritual warfare going on in our lives. And the third thing is, is that we need to build intimate relationships with at least one person 
that we can be honest and confess and pray for one another on an ongoing basis. And then we'll have a victorious life. And if you start living this life, look out. It may stop raining for three and a half years. You're going to see the miracles of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. As James is just giving us some practical truths to live our lives. And Father, we cry out that you would make us into the men and women of God you want us to be. And help us to be the prayer warriors you want us to be. Everybody needs prayer. Oh, how we need prayer, God. We thank you that every prayer that we give, you listen to and respond to. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes wait. But we're thankful that you hear every prayer and and tend to them. So, Lord, uh, we pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.